But read verses 14 and 15 again. Then said Samuel to the people, Come, and let us go to Gilgal, and renew the kingdom there. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. We've been looking then at this special meeting that Samuel has called the people to at the historic site called Gilgal, which is on the west of the River Jordan and beside Jericho. It's full of historic significance for Israel. It's not an accident that Samuel calls them there. He calls them there because of all the associations. Whenever they first step foot into the land of promise, there was the memorial, the great stones of memorial that they set up after they passed through the River Jordan. It was there that their occupation of the land of promise really commenced on the west of Jordan. It was there that the visible tokens of the divine presence ceased. The fiery pillar and the cloud, the manna ceased and all of that. It was there that the people were circumcised because they hadn't been circumcised in the wilderness because of unbelief. And there's a great Passover that was kept at the time before the fall of Jericho. And as well as that, Joshua met there the captain of salvation, the Lord himself who appeared with the sword drawn as the captain of his people, the deliverer, the saviour of Israel. And all that takes place now in chapter 12 is at Gilgal, at that place. We looked at the invitation. We've been beginning to look at the place. We're continuing that tonight. And the purpose, the purpose is stated there. Let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So the purpose is the renewing of the kingdom. But I'm emphasizing that word there. We renew the kingdom there. That's a very important word. It's not anywhere that this is done. It's there in Gilgal. It's repeated, let's go to Gilgal. And all the people went to Gilgal. And you'll see the place is emphasized. Because he wants the renewing, whatever this renewing means, and we'll look at that in a minute, but he wants this renewing, this renewal, to take place at Gilgal. So the place is very important. It's renewed there. And look at verse 15 also. Notice this. All the people went to Gilgal and there. It's a distinct word in the Hebrew. There they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there. Do you see how the Holy Spirit is emphasizing it? Putting in this Hebrew word, Sham, there, it all happened there, nowhere else. Everything that takes place, takes place there. If they're going to enjoy the fellowship, they're going to enjoy it 
there. If they're going to receive the blessing, they're going to receive it there. No other place but there. If they're going to obtain the joy, and they do obtain the joy, they obtain it there. And there they hear the sermon. There they hear the exhortation of God's word. If anybody hadn't have been there, they would have missed it. They wouldn't have heard it. If anybody hadn't have been there, they wouldn't have got the joy. They wouldn't have got the blessing. They wouldn't have experienced the fellowship. They had to be there at this meeting to which Samuel had lovingly and kindly invited them to come and let us go to Gilgal. So this word there, the Holy Spirit is telling us the importance of the meeting place. There. The Lord has a place of blessing. The Lord has a place for his people. The Lord has a place of meeting with the saints. And every Christian ought to have that in their life. A place to go to. A meeting place to meet with the saints and to meet with God. A place of fellowship. A place to hear the exhortation of God's word. Every Christian has a there. If you haven't got a there to meet with God's people, you're out of touch with God and you're outside as well. Every saint can say, there, that's where I meet with God. That's where I meet with the people of God. That's my meeting place. That's where the Lord blesses me. There. So you ought to have a there, a place of fellowship. And what's very fundamental about this place? It's not just the associations, all these historic associations. That's not the fundamental thing. The fundamental thing about this is not just the geography or the history or anything material about any buildings or anything like that. What is vital and essential about this place is this. And you see it there repeated in verse 15 twice. Before the Lord. All the people went to Gilgal and there they made Saul king before the Lord. And where was the Lord? In Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there. You see how it's enclosed between all these there's? Before the Lord. The Lord is there. That's why they want to be there. They want to be where the Lord is. So this is very important. This is a fundamental thing. This is what is vital. That the Lord is there. Samuel invites them. Come, let us go. But he's bringing them and inviting them to the place where the Lord is. The Lord is there and they're coming before him. They're just coming before the Lord. It's the place of the divine presence. You see, Samuel hasn't chosen this place. It's nothing to do with Samuel's choice. No. God has chosen the place. God has notified Samuel. Samuel is the prophet led of the Lord to have the meeting in Gilgal and Samuel's invited by God there because Samuel says, come, 
let us go. So they're all going to the meeting place where the Lord is, including the preacher, including Samuel himself. And they're going to the divine presence. And so God is bringing them back to Gilgal. He's chosen to do that. It's the Lord's place. The Lord is kind of saying, if you're going to start anew with me, if you're going to have a renewal and start afresh with me, in the confession of your sins about this king, this is the place where I want it to be. I want you to go back to the start. I want you to go back to Gilgal, back to it where it all began on the eve of the fall of Jericho. Back to that place. I want to bring you back there, God is saying to his people, where it all commenced in the land. And the Lord's presence is there, very definitely there. It's as real as Samuel's own presence. It's as real as Saul's presence. It's as real as the people's presence. The Lord is one among the people. Look at verse 3 of chapter 12. What does Samuel say? Behold, here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. You see how Samuel says it? The Lord's real to him. The Lord's present to him. He says, I'm here. And Saul the king is here. Witness before the Lord's anointed. And witness before the Lord. He's a real person there. He's as really there as Saul and as Samuel. The Lord is in the midst. And we have to have that conviction as well. That it's not just us meeting here. But we're meeting with the Lord. We're meeting before the Lord. The Lord is as truly and really here as you and I are. In the meeting place. You notice verse 5. The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day. Now, a witness has to be present, and Saul, he's present. He's one of the witnesses, and the Lord is present too. Now, he's not visible, he's not seen, but he's, he's surely there. And verse 7, Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord. And then verse 18, Samuel called on to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. So the people knew he's present. Because Samuel prays to him. And the Lord just sends the thunder and rain. Because he's there. He's powerfully there. He's powerfully present. Now this is what is vital about the meeting place in Gilgal then. That it is the place where the Lord puts his name. The essential is to meet in his name. And where his name is. That's the most important thing of all. Now, it used to be Shiloh, but Israel has sinned. Shiloh was overrun. God delivered it up. Remember Jeremiah said, Go now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people. It was at Shiloh after they got into the land. God set the tabernacle in Shiloh, and that was the meeting place. But Israel sinned, and God just, he just shut the shop because of their sin. And the Psalms refer to that as well. He forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent which he placed among men, and delivered his strength into captivity. You remember the ark was taken. We believe that the Philistines went up and overthrew Shiloh as well. And so there's no Shiloh, there's no meeting place anymore. 
How do they meet with God? God says you'll go back to the start. You'll go back to the River Jordan. You'll go back to the place at the eve of Jericho. And we'll begin again. Yes, I'm going to allow your new king. But we're going to begin again. There. Starting afresh with God. Maybe some of us need to start afresh with God tonight. Maybe we've got away from the Lord. Maybe we've wandered and we've lost out. But we've got to get back to the beginning. Back to a new start. And so God says, you want to get back to me? You want to get back to my reign again? As the sovereign over you? The Lord of glory? And renew the kingdom again? So that you acknowledge me as your true and sovereign king? Though I will give place to Saul as an earthly monarch. But you're going to have to acknowledge me as, as your sovereign. And we'll begin again under a new kingship on earth. Saul and David and so on. That's what's happening here. I'll meet you in Gilgal. You know the last two words of the book of Ezekiel, of course, don't you? You, you want to know them. They're four in, in, in English. The Lord is there. The last word in Ezekiel is there. Shema, Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. That's the most important thing of all. Ezekiel has given to the people great visions. He describes things that are wonderful. The temple and the Israel back in the land and the vision. It's just visions now. That's all it is. And in those visions, the Lord is setting forth great things to Israel about his church. But the most important thing of it all is this at the end. The Lord is there. He's there. It's no good if he's not there. The Lord's at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is. The Lord is there. And we need to get to where the Lord is. And so he's put his name there. Jehovah Shema. And that's what Gilgal is now at the minute. Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. There we'll get the blessing. There we'll get the encouragement. Now in the Old Testament and in Samuel and Kings we will see that this place, Jerusalem, our Zion, becomes the place of God's name in time. Deuteronomy 12 is all about that. God's going to pick a place. He's going to put his name there. You're going to go to that place. You're going to bring your offerings to that place. You'll eat before the Lord. You'll fellowship before the Lord. You'll do it all before the Lord. You'll bring all your offerings there. And the place where I'll choose your offerings, your burnt offerings, and you'll do everything there that I command you in my house. There. And in the Old Testament, as we know, it's here in Gilgal now, but there will come a time when it will be Zion, Jerusalem. And of the importance of the place, for example, Psalm 133 tells us, that great psalm that tells us of the unity of the people of God, the people of God are together, they're having fellowship, they're having harmony, they're worshipping the Lord. And what does it say at the end of that psalm? And remember, it's a pilgrim psalm, it's one of the ascension psalms. Psalm 133, he says, The Lord commanded the blessing there. There. They're going up to the place as pilgrims to Zion, to there where God commands the blessing. You see, God always has a place where he blesses his people. A meeting place. 
Now, of course, Christ has now ascended to the right hand of God, and we're not come on to an earthly Zion, we're come on to a heavenly Zion, where the Father is on the throne reigning, and Jesus Christ on the throne with him at his right hand. But while we come to Zion, we are as creatures still in time space here. We have to have a meeting place. Every Christian has to have a meeting place. The saints have to assemble. They have to be in the presence of the Lord. They come before the Lord. They know he's in Zion, the heavenly Zion. But we're on earth. And we have to be in a place where we all together come before the Lord. And this is our place. And other believers in other places, they have their place too. There are many places. A Christian is not to be one who's in all the places, in many places. A Christian is one of one place, a meeting place, before the Lord, his place, where he meets with the Lord. Our meeting with the Lord is here. Now, of course, it's at the throne of grace. That's, that's a real meeting place, isn't it? That's come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in, in times of need. But we still have an assembly place. And so a Christian ought to belong to a congregation. There I'll be blessed. There I'll have fellowship. A congregationless saint is unknown in the Bible. Really is. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 Unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all that in every place Call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So Paul's writing to the Corinthians. He says, I'm writing to the church of God at Corinth. There are probably several churches at, at, at Corinth. Several homes probably. But not only in Corinth, there are churches in nearby towns as well. Paul is thinking about that. I'm writing to the sanctified in Christ, the church of God at Corinth. But I'm writing... To remind you that you're not alone. You are also with others in every place. So there are Christians in this place, Christians in that place, and Christians in other places. You are with all the saints in all the places. But every Christian has a place. That's the thing you see. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. The Lord Jesus knew the importance of that word. When he gave that great promise of, of only just a small meeting place, just maybe two or three, but my name's there, they're meeting in my name, my presence is there by virtue of my, my covenant promise, and he says, I'll meet them there. There. They have a place, you see. There. Do you remember whenever the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he appeared in the midst of the candlesticks, there were seven candlesticks, he's walking about in the midst of them. What does that mean? Well, those seven candlesticks represent seven different places in the Asia Minor. They're quite close together, but they're still distinct places. And the Lord is walking about them in the midst of them all. The believers can't do that. The believers can only be at Ephesus or, or at Thyatira or at some other place, but not the Lord. He can walk about the midst of them all. He can be in the midst of all. He can be in any place. He's in every place. But the believer can only be in one place. The place he meets with the Lord. Or she. Or whatever. So 
the Lord is in the midst of the meeting place, in the midst of his people. And you know, God's house has security for his people. That's one reason why a, a Christian ought not to be churchless. Because a, a church brings security to the people of God. Because identifying with the church and identifying with the place, they come into the orbit of the prayers of that church. And of the prayers of those elders and that minister. They come into the orbit of the prayers of that. And that's a secure place. That's the place under the shield of faith. That's the place under the power of prayer. That's a place of protection. A place of security. And every Christian also wants to be in such a place. To have those prayers. To have that oversight. To have that spiritual hedge. I the Lord will be unto her a wall of fire. Round about her. And will be the glory in the midst of her. The Lord's in the midst of her. There's a place. And where that place is the Lord is. And around that place there's a wall of fire. Do you know there's a wall of fire around this church? There's a hedge around this church. It's a hedge of prayer. It's a hedge of the Holy Spirit. It's a good place to be. You know, people shouldn't leave church easily. And they shouldn't give up a church thoughtlessly. And they shouldn't walk away from a church in a bad spirit. It's a very important place. It's a place of safety. And so we need the church. Every Christian needs a church. So let's not despise or neglect the meeting place brethren and sisters. Let us be assured it is important in God's plan for us. We all need a little Gilgal, a little Zion, a place to be before the Lord with fellow saints. And you have to find that place. And you have to know that place is for you. And you have to be able to say, it's here. I know it's here. In this place. With the Lord. And especially. Whenever one backslides. And gets away from the Lord. It's important. That they get back to the meeting place. It's very vital. Starting anew with the Lord. Will include. Getting back to Gilgal. Getting back to the meeting place. So let us then always remember. Every meeting. Is before. The Lord. Remember that and believe that. And also that that will remind us how to behave ourselves in the house of God, won't it? It's not just before the minister and the elders, it's before the Lord. And therefore we will have to be reverent and respectful and we'll have to be sincere and we'll certainly have to be biblical, having nothing that is foreign in the worship of God but only that which his word commands us to do and not bring foreign and idolatrous elements that he hasn't commanded. And that's a great danger to evangelical churches. That they want to bring in things that God has not allowed. He has not commanded. Oh, but people say, well, he hasn't forbid it. You know, he hasn't forbid that. Well, I don't care if he's forbid it or not. It's what he commands that matters. That's what matters. What he says. But to do what he says. Not what we think we should do. So God's worship. Is sacrosanct. You have to do what he commands. What does he say? 
what I've commanded you to do there, Deuteronomy 12. Let's remember this then. And let this be to us our meeting place. And let's be having assurance about that. And if we have assurance about that, well then, we need to seek the Lord. And we need to get assurance about it. Or what meeting place it is to be. But we need to know that it is. And to stick at it and to stick with it. To get back to this purpose then of the meeting place. What does it say there? Renew the kingdom there. Renew the kingdom there. Now we, we might ask, how, how can the kingdom be renewed? Now many have been puzzled by this. And the liberals, they jump on this. And they say, oh that just shows you Samuel's been patched together here and there and it's out of chronology at times you see the kingdom's been going for a long time and now they're just going to renew it no no that's nonsense Saul has only been king a few days he hasn't been king long they're not renewing the kingdom with Saul they're renewing it with God they've rejected him as king and they chose this new king And God wants them to renew the kingdom with him as their king. Now he's going to get them to confess about the sin of wanting king on earth. But he is going to allow them to have it. For greater purposes. To be a picture and a type of Christ, the anointed one to come. But he wants them to know God is your king. And in time, I'll come in flesh and be among you. So they come to renew the kingdom of God. That's what this is about. It's not Saul's kingdom being renewed. That's only a couple of days old. The real king is God and the kingdom is God's. So to renew means to repair. Or to mend or to fix or to restore again. The renewal is not so much of the kingdom as such. It's a renewal of the relationship with the king. Brethren and sisters, your most important thing in life is your relationship with the king. How is your relationship with the king? Do you need to renew it? Does it need to be repaired? Does it need to be refreshed, revived? Does it need to be fixed? Does it need to be mended? Does it need to be healed? Your relationship with the Lord. You see, they're going back to here at the start to renew it afresh with the Lord. That's what the Lord intends here. As I said, they rejected God as king in wanting Saul. The Lord now accepts Saul as earthly monarch, but the divine reign must be acknowledged. If you fear Jehovah and serve him and obey his voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and also the king that reigneth over you shall continue following the Lord your God. So God allows the kingship, but he just wants them to know he's the true king, and the one that they only look to and trust in, and the one who in time is going to come in his son Jesus Christ. So really Samuel wants them to start anew with the Lord to repair the broken relationship. Oh, let's let's repair our broken relationship with the Lord. 
Do you remember Thomas? Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. He got out of sorts. He's out of touch with God. He's let sin into his life. Some of the altars are broken down, but especially in his heart, where it all begins, he says, Lord, renew a right spirit in me. Repair, repair in here, Lord. Renew is the important word. That's the word you have to underline in that verse. To renew. To refresh. That's what Israel had to do whenever the altars were broken down. They repaired them. That's the same word. Repair, renew the broken altars. There are things to renew that have decayed in our lives. Has our prayer life decayed? Has our Bible reading and study decayed? Has our coming to God's house to meet with him, has that decayed? It needs renewed. It needs refreshed. Your fractured walk with God needs repaired. This is what God wants. This is what God desires. And this is what you are invited to. So get back to the place. God wants you to get back to the place. And he offers you a fresh start. You can start afresh with the Lord tonight, child of God. No matter how cold in heart you've become, no matter how careless you have found yourself to be, you can get back. Back to Gilgal, back to Calvary, back to the cross, back to the throne of grace, back to the Lord, back to the meetings. Now, the response to this call is found in verse 15. All the people went to Gilgal. And there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. So in this response, we're thinking about the meeting. They're all coming to the meeting. They all got the invitation to the meeting place. And it was a good response. Amazingly, all the people went to Gilgal. Everybody was represented. They were all from the different towns and communities. Maybe not every single individual in the whole land, but a good representation of all the nation. They all went. All the people went. It was a well-attended meeting. So very clearly, there was a move of the Lord. Because you don't get people out of the meetings like that unless the Lord moves. So something's happening in the land. And the Lord's bringing them out. The Lord's drawing them out. The invitations were successful. And the meeting was well attended. And at the meeting, we read that the anointed is made king before the Lord. He already has been made king. But what what is saying here is that they're doing it reverently before the Lord. And they're all doing it now because you remember there was the vision. Oh, this man can't save us. There was a whole division in Israel. But now... They're all united and they're all sitting around Saul. Notice how Samuel calls Saul his anointed. The Lord's anointed. You'll, you'll see that in chapter 12. He's called the anointed on, on a number of occasions. You're probably thinking, well, has this not happened in chapter 10 that he was anointed? Yes, he is. 
But the difference here is that there, there are no more doubts about him now. There are no more questions about him. There's no more division about him. Because he saved the people. He showed himself the saviour. He showed himself the Lord's anointed. He showed himself the deliverer. He saved Jabez Gilead. He destroyed the serpent, Nahash. You remember Nahash means serpent? The anointed has destroyed him. And now all the people are around him. The Lord's anointed in Gilgal. And they're all acknowledging him before the Lord. He's a picture of Christ. There's no meaning but the Lord's anointed is there. There's no meaning but the Lord's anointed is on his throne. There's no meaning but the people have to make the Lord's anointed their king. Their king. Jesus is our king. We don't have a meeting without meeting around Jesus our king. Without acknowledging our king. And we need to do that regularly, people of God. Take him as your king every day. Tell him every day, you're my king. You're my prophet. You're my priest. I can't live the life without you, Lord. You're my anointed redeemer. My prophet, priest, and king. And every time we come to the meeting, we're around him. We're meeting in Jesus' name. We're meeting around the feet of the king. That's very important. Those meetings are blessed where the people are led to make Christ king again. He's king at God's right hand. But we can make him king again of our lives. King of my life, the hymn puts it. I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. To enthrone him again. So always give him place in your life. Give him place in your home. Give him place in our church. This is a real high point for, for Saul here. It's really the climax in his life. Gilgal. It begins to go downhill a bit after this. But the Lord has brought it to this climax to picture the true anointed, the true Christ, the one who, who never goes downhill, getting worse and worse, but who has been thrown at the right hand of God at the highest climax. And there he still is, 2,000 years later. And he's still in the seat of the highest climax at God's right hand, our King. And we meet around his feet every week, every Sabbath, at all our meetings. And you'll notice that there was great unity at this meeting. Because there they made Saul king. There they sacrificed sacrifices. There Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. There's unity and harmony. We didn't read that at the end of chapter 10. At the end of chapter 10 there was a division. There was no unity. There was no harmony at all. But in the meeting place at Gilgal, that meeting is blessed. That has unity and harmony around Jesus Christ. It's so important, congregation, that we be united and harmonious. That we be one. That there be no bickering among us. That there be no wrong spirits between us. It's vital that we're all one. And what unites us? It's the anointed unites us. This is the one who saved us. This is the one who's crushed the serpent's head. This is the one who's dealt with Nahash. Why do we have to fight among ourselves? We have a great saviour who we unite around. So this is a great meeting. Because there's great unity around the anointed. And it's great fellowship. Because what do they do there? They sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. At this meeting, the cross is central. 
The sacrifice is central. The blood is central. And they're having fellowship with the Lord because that's what the peace offerings talks about. You're at peace with God on the ground of the sacrifice. You're reconciled to God. Even though they've sinned. Even though they've went astray. They're reconciled to God on the ground of the sacrifice. And they can have the fellowship. The, the peace offering meals and the fellowship meals together around the Lord. So it's a meeting place of great and wonderful fellowship with God and with one another. Fellowship with the Lord. And how, how is it described at the end? What's the characteristic? Standing out. That's really great. Joy. At the end it says, all the men rejoiced greatly. They had great joy in the meeting place. Brethren and sisters, we need the return of the joy of the Lord in our lives. We need the return of the meeting place to be filled with joy. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know why we're powerless? We've lost so much of the joy of the Lord. There's no joy in the meetings. They can hardly even sing. Let's have joy in our hearts. Let's have joy in our lives. Let's really sing it as if we mean it and we have joy and gladness in our hearts. So these are some of the characteristics of this meeting at Gilgal. And they ought to be the characteristics of every assembly where God's people meet around the anointed one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The important thing is just to be faithful to the meeting place. You should be there. That's where the Lord wants you to be. There. Don't miss out. And maybe you have grown cold in the heart. There's forgiveness. And you can come back to the meeting. And the Lord can stir you up again. And bless you again. And you can walk with him again. It's not the end of your Christian life. Because you backslidden or got far off. No, you can repair all the altars again. They can all be renewed at Gilgal. So let's go to Gilgal and meet with the Lord.